Hey everybody, and welcome to a live recording of the Ask a Cycling Coach podcast, the only podcast dedicated to making you a faster cyclist, and it's presented by us here at Trainer Road, as you can see if you're joining us on the live stream. This is where we answer your cycling and triathlon-related questions, and you can submit them at trainerroad.com slash podcast. Uh, we are actually just going to jump straight into the questions this week. <clears throat> I'm more of a summarizing, though, because we got a lot of questions, or we it's been increasing steadily, and it reached fever pitch this week on strength training. Same uh, time of year. Makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of folks are either in off-season or starting up their season, or you know they've also been putting on Thanksgiving weight if they're here in the United States, mm. holiday weight, that sort of stuff. Uh, so people want to use strength training. Um We've talked about strength training before. In fact, there's a video on YouTube of Chad doing, showing off a few different strength exor- strength training exercises that can be helpful. YouTube.com slash trainer road. That's it. Uh, it's so called like five strength training exercises for cyclists. That's the one. And we'll have it posted in at forum.trainer.com. Indeed. In our episode notes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you can actually just go on to that URL that Nate just said, our forum. Uh, it's awesome. Lots of folks on there. But you can go on there and just search for this episode number, which is 190. And then you can find it really easily. Cool. Um, but Chad, so uh, we talked about this a number of different times, but let's just uh, let's just go into this thing. I know you have a lot of different things kind of on on the list here. So yeah, it's a topic we've I'll hit so many start. times. We've covered so <clears throat> excuse me, we covered so many aspects of it that I feel like uh, we need to take a different tack this time and talk about uh, really principles. But I don't want to just throw a bunch of principles at you and not leave you with anywhere to go with that. So then there's some specific suggestions. They're, they're still veer general, but at least are actionable. Cool. Okay. Awesome. Where do you want to start with this then? Um, first off, I like to make a couple things clear. Um, one of the things as, as endurance athletes, we always think strength training is going to fly in the face of what we're trying to accomplish. And if we're endurance athletes, there's really no room in our repertoire for, for strength, uh, strength training and some of the benefits that come with strength training come at the detriment of endurance training. And to some extent that's true, but for the most part, Um, even high level cyclists can benefit from some form of resistance training, whether it's plyometric training or, uh, really tempo specific stuff, or, you know, a bit of cross training in the off season, body weight work, heavy work, whatever. There is room for improvement in any type of cyclist. I want to say the, um, people who, who are against it and we'll, we'll talk about all these different points, but usually it's a study where people do squats for, you know, six to 10, uh, reps, three sets versus other cyclists who, you know, and they both have the same amount of cycling volume Mm -hmm. and they try to then see if that increased like your FTP. Yeah. Specifically. Uh, Very, very specific. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's a whole bunch more nuance to it than just that. There's so much there. All those studies fall short in some regard and and it's hard to compare them across studies. It's hard to say, you know, the, the, the level of the cyclists they use, the rep ranges they threw at them, the duration of the actual study, the, the types of weights they were moving at, at what speeds, et cetera. There's, there's often something to it that you can, you can pick apart and say, eh, this doesn't really hold water. Yeah. The other part too, that people will always argue too, is that if you do strength training, <clears throat> that is then going to take away <laughs> from extra work you could do on the bike. Potentially so. I mean, but this is reserved for those riders who are doing 25, 30 hours a week. Yeah, there's not a heck of a lot of room, although I'd argue exchanging some of that long, slow distance for some strength training would probably be more beneficial. And you've got, let's... 
do it. I'm going to lean back and drink my coffee <clears throat> <Okay>. now. <laughs> um, and then I also wanted to say that there, there's tons of benefits apart from being a better cyclist. Just be a better human. Just be have a more capable body. Just be stronger. You period. look better too. Yeah. No, that's that. The aesthetics are. Uh, yes. Cyclists not, are pretend. It's not a concern. For their, no, uh, they are for their not. beautiful bodies, no. beautiful legs, maybe. They are but not total bodies. Yeah. They are in many respects the opposite look good on of what the <laughs> what the finer sex wants yeah. many times. So um, it, it's so and something to add to this. Uh, I've seen. Actually, I can think of a specific cyclist right now. He's a young dad and very much a cyclist build, does not do a lot of functional training in any way, yeah. threw his back out with his kids, yeah. right? Yeah. So Doing as, the simplest things. Right. And then as a result, also his cycling suffers because he, you know, his, his back missed time on the bike he can't, and power transfer goes down the tube. Yeah. yeah. So it cycling. affects you in, across all aspects. Now, there's certain sports where you may, and, and, and I, I know like we're talking about cycling here, but in any... There are certain sports where like soccer is a pretty dynamic thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, there are other things that are pretty dynamic and they kind of cover a round bit. But many sports build you in a single you know, dimension. You become and, a unidimensional athlete, really. Yeah. And you're, you're capable of one thing. You might be really good at that thing. It's arguable. Could you be better if you integrated strength training? Maybe, maybe not. But the fact is you're really only good at one thing. Right. Exactly. And for cycling, so once again, we're saying this for cyclists, but uh, don't just think that cyclists are like, you know, the only ones that suffer from this sort of thing. Plenty of folks would, would benefit from I'm going to try to learn how to ski. That's yeah, totally. A, that's careful words. Try to learn. <laughs> um, but I've, I'm so scared I'm going uh, to tear an ACL. Oh, yeah. Uh, because uh, totally. I am so much in the forward, you know, mm-hmm. plane and skiing's back and forth. And yeah. I'm very weak on the side to side. That's something yeah. I need should build up before I go <clears> up on the slopes and tear something before you jump into this a sure. bit more self-deprecating no, stories here but I, I i jumped in and subbed on a soccer team it was an indoor team and it was like a 35 minute game and i was almost entirely incapable of walking the next yeah. day like i was not it was so hard because there's so much lateral movement it was yeah we we have no versatility different. as endurance athletes <laughs> it's true it's true, true. i mean even triathletes triathletes is still they're still endurance athletes they're more versatile for sure yeah, yeah. than you know strict cyclists or strict runners but uh they're still rather limited, especially if they don't integrate some form of strength training. So I guess that that's like, you know, that's like the health side of things. But I guess the, the simplest question that you're kind of going at is, are you going for like growth or are you going versus strength? Yeah. yeah. So, and, and even if you take a step back from, from that specific question or that level of specificity, ask yourself every time you go to the gym or ideally before you go to the gym, what do I want from this workout? Mm. Or in a more general sense, ask yourself, what do I want from strength training? Why am I investing this effort in going to the gym and doing whatever I'm about to do? If you're not clear on that, it's hard to hit the point when you don't know what the point is, right? <laughs> so, I mean, we, we, we've, if anything, if you're a trainer road subscriber, if you train with structure and power, then you recognize the value in structuring your workouts and, and being progressive in nature and, and looking at your metrics and paying attention to the details. Why wouldn't you do that with your strength training? That's a really good point. Yeah. You see a lot of people that are like, they go to the gym and it's like 15 minutes of cardio then I'll do some bench. Start on what I see at the gym. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I want to help everybody. I, I see I, everyone. I see. I, I just I have something to tell them, and I gotta bite my tongue. Almost be that guy. We just. I won't, I won't be that guy. Yeah. We just triggered Chad on something that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Every time I go, yeah. baffles me. Uh, but people me. don't know. You used to be a weight training coach. Yeah, right? up until. I've been so pretty recently, I probably had more experience as a strength coach than I did an endurance coach, but now my endurance experience outweighs my strength experience. And, I, and I'm still trying to stay fresh with the, with the strength side of things too. Yeah. But, uh, if anything, for my own personal benefit, but also because I'd like to understand the interplay between the two. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. 
So I guess. Uh, okay. So so really, the simplest question I think that we mm-hmm. or we have to ask ourselves as endurance athletes is why why I'm going to the gym. Is it specifically for growth or for strength? Mm-hmm. I mean, and growth. I mean, bulking. You know, more muscle mass. Not necessarily. And you'll get stronger for sure, but you won't see the same sort of strength gains if you pursue a different type of strength training. Um, so growth versus strength. And I think as endurance athletes, we veer definitely towards the strength side. We want more strength. We don't want more mass to cart around on the bike or running swimming. Maybe it's not as much of a a concern. Mm. Um, so it's important to understand that there are different types of hypertrophy and hypertrophy is just the scientific word for muscle growth. So, you know, greater, greater, uh, muscle size, muscle fiber size Mm -hmm. and two types of hypertrophy are myofibrillar and sarcoplasmic. And it's not really important that you remember those terms so much as you remember one's more about strength and one's a little more about glamor. It's a little more about bigger muscles, you know, a, a, a better aesthetic, uh, appearance. Sarcoplasmic is the yeah, sarcoplasmic. So like, so like the, you know, the within the cell you get, you get increases in volume that, you know, give you bigger, puffier muscles, probably not the best word, but you know, bigger looking muscles, not necessarily stronger in terms of the myofibrillar strength. This is all about goals too. Cause I I know there's some, some people out there who are like, no, I I want some bigger biceps or bigger pecs. Why not? And there's nothing wrong with that either. You gain three pounds of like solid muscle and you look like way more jacked, especially as a cyclist with low body fat. Yeah. yeah. So oh, you're yeah. like, That's I'm real. willing to give up three pounds to to have a, a better mm-hmm. looking physique, Seriously. especially uh, lean athletes at a yeah. pound of muscle mass, and it's evident. Yeah. And it looks good. And when, yeah. when you add in the three pounds, like on the bike, like don't get me wrong, if you're chasing, you know, a national championship or something where you really have to split hairs, that's one thing. Yeah. But otherwise, you might have a higher quality of life. Yeah. It's all go. It's all. Uh, what your goals are. So mm-hmm. totally just want to make sure. Yeah. And it's okay if one of your goals is to look better. That's totally. Fine. Yeah. Nothing I'm, wrong with that at all. Well, I think all of us cyclists get that. We shave our legs and let's be real. <laughs> I mean, too, I mean, so we know why we do We that. all have that or else we'd all be wearing like <laughs> yeah, sweatpants right exactly, now yeah. and you know, totally never wash our hair and yeah. like buy the biggest t-shirts and yeah, just, yeah. just comfy stuff. Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all birds all day. Yeah. That's what we do. <laughs> okay. So, so it, to look at it in simpler terms, you're at, you're going to the gym, you're asking yourself, am I going to lift heavy and short, you know, low rep ranges, mm-hmm. or am I going to let lift less heavy and longer, mm-hmm. you know, higher rep ranges, more concerned with the aesthetic end of things than the actual improvements in, in strength. Although you'll get strength improvements with both. Um, but again, we're looking to just increase, uh, increase muscle recruitment. We want, we want more active muscle fiber firing, driving the pedals on the bicycle, more active muscle fibers, stabilizing our, our, our upper bodies, more active, uh, muscle fiber working in our arms to keep us stable on the hand wash, especially as mountain bikers or cross mm-hmm. racers or that sort of thing. And, and then what's important to understand is it really correlates muscle size correlates with time under tension. So the more time you spend lifting weight and it has to be weight of adequate, uh, it has to be substantial. You can't go in and grab a weight that you can move 50 times and move it 20 times and call that a set. Yeah. That's not doing anything for you. You got to find a weight that you can move 10 times and move it seven or eight times, three times over sort of thing. So we're trying to accumulate time and attention. If size gains are what we're after, if strength gains are what we're after, we're kind of trying to minimize that time under tension and make each lift really meaningful. Mm. So lift a heavy weight three, four, five times, call it good. There's your set. How many sets you do? I don't even want to get into that. There's a lot of approaches that yield good returns. Okay. But basically more time under tension correlates with greater muscle size. And that could also be through frequency of the amount of sets you do. You go to five sets or frequency in the week. Yep. Right? How many times mm-hmm. you lift over yep. the course of a week? How many sets you accumulate by week's end? Yep. yep. Yeah, that makes sense. So um, I, I, it's, this is, do we want to go into the eccentric 
versus concentric. Yeah, I just right just one thing. I just want to explain the two different yeah. types of muscle contractions because you can, by targeting one over the other, avoid certain things uh, and incur others. Mm-hmm. So an eccentric contraction is, is forceful lengthening. So your muscles, you know, under resistance, but you're making it longer. So you're making a joint, you're opening a joint, for instance. So in the case of a biceps curl, it would be when you're lowering the weight from your shoulders down to your hips. This the muscle is getting longer, but it's still under tension. Flip side of that is concentric shortening, where it's it's uh, concentric uh, movement. Sorry, which is forceful uh, shortening. So the muscle is getting shorter. You're curling that that same bicep uh, barbell or dumbbell from the hips up to the shoulder, making the joint angle smaller. Got it. Okay. And then when you're bringing it down, that's the that's the eccentric. The eccentric. Yeah. So if you do a pull up, the pull up is concentric. As you come back down, it's eccentric. Got or it. Eccentric, depending on how you want to pronounce it. Cool. Um, the the gist here, what I'm what I want to get across is that eccentric contractions are the more damaging ones. Um, so, and they're the ones that lead to greater levels of, of DOMS or delayed onset muscle soreness, the soreness you get a day after, and especially the second day after. And there are plenty of ways to get DOMS. This just happens to be one of them and it's easier. There's more likely that you get them through eccentric contractions than concentric. I saw a joke the other day that said cyclists get DOMS one time a year. And it's when they think that they should go to the, back to the gym. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah that's <laughs> so true. That. <laughs> the next day after that, or the next week. They're like, done. Yep. No, yeah, I, exactly. I've Sadly gotten true. it so bad. Uh, this was in like. Hey, middle school, a uh, friend's dad took me to the gym. Yeah. I've just happened, I think, twice in my life where for like four or five days, I could not straighten my arms. Oh, yeah. And if you get them on your calves, I had to walk oh, on no. my tiptoes. <laughs> I could not go flat foot. That and it was like four be... days. So I have to walk around like this on my tiptoes. That's a high level trying. of damage. It was crazy. Cause it, it's, it's a bummer. I had never done it before. Been... And oh, this man. dad has just got like four 13-year-old boys. And he's yeah. just, you know, go, go, go. And we're trying to go as hard as we can. And right. we went hard. Yeah. Uh, our bodies were not used to it. That's I, how it, kids get after it. I've yeah. never, I've never heard of it with the legs. I've gotten it with the arms, uh, CrossFit class. The legs are the worst. Yeah. CrossFit class and, uh, kipping pull-ups the first time I'd ever oh, done those. Yeah. And oh gosh. That's a bunch of muscle trauma. That's was, a bunch of damage. I was and a T-Rex that's what I'm talking for like about. a week. I was just like stuck. <laughs> like, yeah. Could not move my arms. It was okay. Painful. So, so another downside of these eccentric contractions is that it impairs glycogen synthesis. So it does have some impact on qu- how quickly you can load the muscles. The damage in the fibers it has some influence on, you know, how quickly you can replenish. And this is, could be a concern if you're a multi-sport athlete who's working out a couple times a day. If one of those workouts is a strength workout, then <clears throat> and you need reloaded glycogen for a hard workout the next morning, eh, this might be a concern, something you might want to pay attention to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for that, for that reason, I've seen certain athletes actually avoid eccentric contractions when they can. Um, one of them in particular did, uh, is working on improving his, his uh, deadlift strength and he would do what he called drop deads. In which case he'd just lift the deadlift weight up from the floor and then let it go. Yeah. You know, it assumes you have bumper plates, it assumes you're in a gym that you can drop it, et cetera, but it totally avoids the eccentric contraction. Yeah. Planet Fitness, they, uh, they just, they have an alarm that goes off. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. I remember you mentioning that. Like if somebody drops something like that. Yeah. They actually like, what is it? The, or if somebody like grunts or something. Or something. Yeah, yeah. And they like actually do an alarm. You go on YouTube and you, uh, <laughs> you can see people yeah, get an alarmed. A public gym or a, you know. You're, yeah. not, you're not the only one working out. You got to be a bit considerate of others. Right. The lunk alarm. It's called the <laughs> lunk. lunk. Yeah, lunk. do Planet Fitness lunk alarm. <laughs> and uh, if you drop weights or make too much noise, yeah. they uh, they send off an alarm because it's 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 a so people who don't know it's like a chain and it's supposed to be very open to the um, 
uh, they, they don't want anything intimidating. Right. I don't think dropping is weights. Is the button kind of hidden from sight? No, it's, I mean, it's, you have to walk over and proudly hit that. No, thing? it's the staff does it to you. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and they'll kick you out if you uh, wow. if you do it too much. You abuse the. Yeah, and that's it's so, just yeah. that's that's good for them. But, but just to Chad's point, make sure you're in a place that yeah, this yeah. is a this have to is be able a, to get away with it. Yeah, I, well, and, and and it has it's a really limited accepted culture, really limited in context too. I mean, you can't avoid too many eccentric contractions. I mean, you can't do a pull up and then just. Well, I guess you could jump off the bar, but you can't do a bench press and then just let it flop back down onto your chest. I mean, there there aren't too many exercises where you can avoid the eccentric yeah. portion of the contraction. Right. Well, sometimes people go eight seconds up, eight seconds down. You yeah. Know, there's you can you can minimize it. Yeah, you can, but that that extends that eccentric, eccentric contraction and can really leave you with some sore muscles. Well, that's what I mean. Yeah, that would, but that would be a situation not to do it. I, sure. I was uh, on different strength training programs that I've been prescribed before. That was actually recommended in the beginning as I started, as I picked it things up. It has its place. No, no, no Start it's doing that. That's what, that's what then, I'm about to get to. This yeah. micro tearing, this inflammation actually stimulates adaptation. So it is one method for incurring protein synthesis. So it's, it's legit. I mean, it is usable. Just understand there are downsides to it. Yeah. Or I should say I was, I was suggested, I was suggested to do drop deads, for example, oh. Oh. Uh, when I started out, just because they were like, you know, we don't know where you're Avoid at with that this. Portion of the so let's just movement. first work on this portion of it sure. and the concentric one. Then thereafter, you know, with time, we'll start working it in where you're not doing it. So if my goal was like bigger muscles, I would, I could focus on eccentric and like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't try to limit it. Eccentric right. contractions, eccentric. I, I can't decide how I want to say it. <laughs> and then, you know, greater rep ranges. So, yeah. so a high weight, but maybe you're moving eight, 12, 15, 16 times. So Got what it. would a, what do you suggest then? If a cyclist goal is to be stronger but not gain a lot of mass, what kind of weight? Well, see, it doesn't you – know, let me get to the strength training aspect okay. of that, but you can get it in other ways too. I mean, there are slow force repeats, which, mm -hmm. which is basically force endurance, learning how to you know turn out high levels of force over long periods of time, working around 75% VO2 max, which is roughly 90% of threshold, et cetera. I mean, there are ways you can do it on the bike. Long rides do it too. They deplete the fibers. They damage the fibers to some extent, and you get hypertrophy in the, in the slow twitch fibers. What about my mirror muscles? I'm going to get to that. Cool. <laughs> I also wanted to make a plug for sweet spot training because sweet spot training hits a, 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 you know, the, the more shapeable type 2A fibers, which when you incur hypertrophy in those, those fibers, it's really quite usable, both in mm -hmm. terms of endurance and in terms of uh, more, more high-intensity efforts. It's, it's, like, it's more beneficial the more you look into it. That's sweet spot stuff. Yeah, it is. I yeah. mean, it's, it is. It's, it's, one of, it's a really good way to skin the same cat. Mm -hmm. um, and then... I, I just want to touch on progression really quick. This is mm. perhaps my biggest gripe when it comes to strength training. Uh, is it really? I, I have literally- We know a lot of gripes. <laughs> I have many. I have many. <laughs> this, this is probably my biggest one because I, I can literally leave a gym for for months, maybe even years. Maybe I you know I, I decide to do CrossFit for a while or I decide to lift at home or, or I'm just doing body weight stuff, whatever. But I can leave a gym and come back literally two years later, see the same people doing the same exercises, the same routine with the same weight and they have the same bodies. <laughs> and I know for a fact they have never once asked themselves, what do I want from this workout? Right. What am I hoping to achieve with strength training? So it has to be progressive. When, when, you, when you can do something well, you make it a little harder and you learn how to do that well and you make it a little harder. Same way, same way we do with intervals on the bike. Yeah. That's yeah. like uh, someone who you leave your FTP at the same forever and you do yeah. the same three workouts. Then you're going to be the same athlete. Unfortunately, yeah. common. And that could be a goal though. <laughs> sure. Maybe it's, maybe. Maybe maybe it's just reached a point you're happy with. Yep. You, it's a, yeah. Yep. It's also, that is also, it doesn't hurt as much. Like it once you get to it, yes. the hurting is the progressing through, breaking to that next level. That's why, uh, what Eddie Merckx, yeah, yeah. You, you don't go, no, doesn't Greg hurt less you. Greg, Greg Lamont, sorry. Yeah. Uh, Reportedly, who knows? Yeah. Never At gets this easier, point, you just get faster. Exactly. Yeah. So <laughs> that's, a, that's that, the feeling of getting to that next level is always 
hard. Yeah. It's always hard. And I, and I do get that some people simply want to maintain the routine. They're not really concerned with getting stronger. They're not really right. concerned with changing their bodies. They just like going to the gym. They like doing their workout. They like the, you know, how they feel after the workout. There are reasons outside of getting stronger. So, yeah. you know, to those people, this, this maybe doesn't apply. Yeah. Um, and then in terms of seasonality, we, we still periodize weight training, but totally. I think one thing that we get wrong is I, I see too many people try to carry so much of their strength work into the season, into the actual uh, competitive season, when at that point you don't need much. And we've touched on the fact that maintenance is, can be really minimal and you mm -hmm. can actually maintain what you built. But, <clears throat> and I can't impress this point enough, you have to maintain all year. You don't achieve strength gains and then stop lifting and expect the strength gains to remain. They what, go away. What do you do then? Just lift less? Maintenance. I mean, once, once a week. And it can be a really simple routine. And I'll, I'll get to some um, specifics on you know, what sort of exercises you can do without being too specific. But the fact is you have to do something. Weekly basis seems to cover it really well. A lot yeah. of studies support this. You don't need to do a heck of a lot to stay on top of what you've already achieved for what you, what you built. Exactly. It is. Yeah. It is. It's amazing. It's amazing. the body. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So for, because of this, I see most strength gains coming in either the preseason, you know, maybe a transition period or maybe yeah. before you really hit the training and base season. But after yep. that, any real gains, you have to dedicate most of, most of your high intensity focus to, to riding the bike. And what strength gains you've gotten maybe through base season are basically held right there. You're not going to get any stronger, but you can hang on to that strength with that single weekly maintenance workout. Makes sense okay. to me. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, um, and then everyone who argues, well, uh, how is being a, a stronger athlete going to help me on the bike? And, and a few things spring to mind. One of them is that you get better transfer, better power transfer, sorry, mm -hmm. especially under heavy load. When you're really driving the pedals and your body's all over the place and there's all sorts of power loss through the kinetic mm -hmm. chain and not a lot of it, not, or not, you know, a high percentage of it is making it to the pedals. Mm -hmm. That's wasted energy. Yeah. Sprinting is huge. Pete Sprinting Moore just especially. said, he said yeah. the noodle, the noodle sprinter, oh, yeah. a video of that on both our forum and on uh, Facebook right now. And he describes, it was in, I think it was the very end of the podcast, a few podcasts ago, yep. but about how to sprint. And now some people are noodly. Actually, uh, they can see it on YouTube. It's its own video. It was just posted up there oh, and on the blog and on the oh, forum. Right. It's everywhere. So it's everywhere. Uh, if you look at sprinting tips from a pro uh, with, with Team Cliff Bar Racing's Pete Morris, awesome. and he talks very much about that very thing. It's very, it's, it's true. Like, and we've all sprinted with that person that's the noodly sprinter. It's terrifying Scary. for us. I hope it's terrifying for them. So then they feel like they need to change it. Um, but it's when wasteful though, yes, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, considering what they're after at that very moment, you know, forward acceleration, they're, they're yeah. wasting a lot but of just that a good energy. example. If you want to be a better sprinter yeah. and that is a limiter is yes. that you can't have the, what do you call the circle of power? Yeah, you can't, you're not strong mm. enough to lock yourself out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that could also help us. Yeah. You freeze that upper body. You create that strong platform from, from the, from the top this time and yep. then just drive those legs. And I want to cover one thing that somebody Pedals. pointed out. They were like, isn't this, doesn't this contradict the fact that when we're riding, we should be, you know, reducing as much tension as possible to allow efficiency in terms of pedaling through the legs. And when you're talking about a sprint, it's, it's different. Different. Where For it's, sure. Apples it's, and oranges. Yep. Exactly right. Now, if you're talking about just steady state power or whatever else, or you're just riding, yes, you want to be. Yeah, you're not looking to have a rigid torso so much as a, you know, a, a, a strong, stable one. Exactly right. But when you sprint, we're talking about maintaining an, a tension all the way through so then there's no loss of power when you're talking about really putting out those peak efforts. Yep. yep. So power transfer is a big issue, especially under heavy load. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that goes for hills too. Jamming it up a hill, pushing hard, heading up a hill. That's, that's heavy load. I mean, when the Watts creep up and you're, you're uh, working hard, 
it becomes especially important. Yeah. I mean, then position maintenance, just think about a, a time trial position that that is a specific position that if you're not strong mm -hmm. in the torso, in the mid body, in the core, then you're, you're going to pay for it. There will be power slip, especially mm -hmm. as the event drags on. We totally. just did a three-ish hour ride or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And uh, we were jamming back on a flat and we we're doing a pace line. And I was, I've been trying to lower my front end after that specialized podcast because I showed Super Dave my position and he was like, oh no. You're so high. <laughs> yeah, you're so high. Which I think I just look high too because I'm tall. Because you're uh, tall. I, I'm six foot six. It's been a while since I've said it. It's true. New people have not don't know that I'm no, tall. They don't hear it's it. A tall man. It's true. It's true. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. 198 centimeters. So, uh, I mean, but I was to the point where um, when I was not in the front of the pace line, I was like, either very tired or I would get out of the drops mm -hmm. and because my triceps were tired and my neck, yeah. um, I want to do a, a shout out. Then my neck's always been a problem. I've been getting better at it and I was, I was really good. Then I got sick and I went off and I came back and it's all gone. Right. Yeah. Um, but it yeah. will, should come back faster, sure. but it's the craziest thing. Um, you're going to look, you know what I'm going <laughs> to oh, talk man. about, right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And Ian, you'll have to find this, but I think it's called spud. But it's this thing you put over your head and it's got a chain and you hang a weight from it. And then you bend over it and you go like this. Sure. But I found it's that that's, cervical spine extension. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's probably bad for you. Um, <laughs> but I mean, like I wouldn't put a 45 on there and do it because you're going to like yeah, yeah, yeah. hurt your neck. But uh, you just do that. And, and I found that that's, yeah, that's it, Ian. Um, I found that it's really helped uh, with um, both in TT position and for longer rides mm -hmm. to keep my neck up, yeah. just being a little bit stronger back there. Cause it's hard to exercise yeah. that part of your neck. I don't imagine you're pulling a 45 pound plate. You're doing probably some pretty small yeah, weights, like right? 25 pounds, yeah. 30 pounds. Yeah. Okay. Do it like eight times. Getting um, jacked over here. Yeah. Jack neck. <laughs> I'm sure you're doing I have a very, very uh, pencil neck. <laughs> Be like neck guy on the internet. No, I'm not. <laughs> I have a very long skinny neck. So that's probably a reason why. And my neck, like my neck is so long. I feel like with levers, weight on the end it's harder yeah um mm. but i'm just saying it's it's not just tt's uh, well, you, mountain biking i almost totally. probably died down leadville <laughs> uh going down the big columbine because i was so tired i i was sitting on my saddle yeah um i couldn't be in a, a correct hip hinge position descending yep um <clears throat> and that's that's the yeah. next point long events so that totally. kind of dovetails into it but uh, it's what i call and i'm sure plenty of people call postural endurance mm -hmm. being able to hold your posture for a long period of time is way harder than you think until you've been <laughs> out there for four or five hours and you're experiencing yeah. it it totally is and this is where if an event is like a where it's very position dependent like a trial, a triathlon time mm -hmm. trial, you know, a longer distance one, anything like that. Or if it's an, a technical discipline, oh, this oh, really yeah. makes a difference. Totally. Wait, gravel. This, <clears throat> oh, sorry. this summer when I was doing just, you know, I wasn't training, but I was just doing a ton of laps at North star on the enduro bike with a heavier full face helmet at the first, like four or five rides. I was like really going into the day asking what you want to get from this. Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, I'm going to work on technique and everything else, but I really want my neck to be less fatigued by hour four. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, and it yeah. was, it was tough. So I ended up doing a good amount of exercises where I was trying to maintain a posture where I was, had to control where my head was and sure. up helping. But the, the thing is, if your posture starts to fall apart and the consequences are high, like on a road bike, you end up being less efficient. You end up getting more fatigued. 
something like that. Yeah, anytime you you, you sacrifice your control or your form, yeah. efficiency suffers. You're doing yeah. more work for the same amount of or worse on the mountain bike. Way worse yeah. and dangerous. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's right. dangerous in both both cases, but especially on a mountain bike. Yeah, and you see that. Um, I'm going to be racing the EWS North Star race this year. I'm super Enduro excited World for that. Series. Yeah, I'm super excited for that. Right. Um, and that's so that's going to be here. I'm racing that one. I know going into that that I'm going to have to do and maintain strength training for quite some time and really kind of focus on that and almost redouble down for a bit because right. downhillers and enduro racers. Well, too, you're doing so rough. You're going after nationals for cross country this year. And I feel that even so in our pace line, I could be in the drops too, Yeah, but it's the, the amount of extra mental energy it takes. Cause you know, there's another thing that hurts on you. Mm. Yes. Like it's hard enough just to have your legs and your lungs hurt, yep. but then when your neck hurts and your triceps it hurt, it distracts you oh. a bit yeah, more and your upper back. So you You're end up making more mistakes. Five different yes. directions. Oh, yeah. it's the other rough. thing I want to say too, is, um, obviously road racing, uh, being able to be in your drops saves you well, what are we 40 Watts? Like it can deal when you're going fast. Look over the course of a 40 K TT. I've told, I've, I've mentioned this before, how they take photos of the riders on the way out and they all look arrow and perfect. And on the way back, they look terrible. <laughs> yeah. It's like just, art, you realize you're still racing the clock, right? Aerodynamics still matter. Just yeah. road racers in general, though, it, it helps because it, it also totally. gets you a better draft when totally. you're in a group. Yeah. But mm-hmm. gravel racing, um, you are by yourself so much in a gravel race yeah. that uh, you don't think and you're maybe going 16, 17 miles per hour. But if you're in the drops, we also learn from our specialized podcast. You're still saving a, a ton of power and a ton of time. A ton. But those gravel races are usually longer. And what do people do? You see them. They're sitting up more. They're relaxed because they're they're tired, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, gets, it gets really difficult to, to maintain so that aerodynamic I hope people position. understand that there is a reason. If it's a limiter, if if you say, like, I've never been tired uh, in any position on the bike. Yeah. You just haven't You know, you, you <laughs> sure, could be it's great. possible, but uh, chances are you just haven't done yeah. enough. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and again, strength training takes many forms. It doesn't mean you have to go in and do bench press and squats. You can do a lot of things depending on what your goals are. So again, totally. what am I after with this workout? What am I after with my strength training? Yeah. Okay. And then I'm just going to touch on this because we've covered it so many times, but in terms of scheduling concurrent training, so endurance training with strength training, the recommendation is still the same. Try to separate them as much as possible because there's overlap in the signaling that takes place at the cell level. You know, strength strength work tells your cells, I want this form of adaptation. Endurance work tells them, I want this form of adaptation. Which uh, form manifests more than the other depends on the timing. So try not to overlap those signals if at all possible. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I don't probably do this right, but what I've been doing, I'm doing the bro stuff where I do just upper body because if I find that if I do deadlifts or squats, my legs are so cooked that it then impacts the next And we've covered this. Workout. You, you, you feel that you may be exceptional in that regard in the sense that you may like have like more soreness. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm others. sure if I did it for a long time, yeah. it would be better. Right. But it's, it's just, I don't know. It's, it's. There's only so much I can take. Well, and that's it too. You, that's real. That, and that's why I say most of your strength gains are going to come in the preseason and early season. Mm-hmm. Past the point, you're doing so much work on the bike. Doing any real strength training outside of maintenance is going to be a really tall order and probably not productive. I like that idea of, and I do notice my legs get bigger with lots of sweet spot work. Mm-hmm. Maybe that is my more of my by uh, building my sweet legs. spot gets a lot of muscle fiber. I mean, that type two A is that that mid twitch fiber, if you will, mm-hmm. is super important when it comes to racing bikes. Oh yeah, totally. Absolutely is. Um, so, and I guess I'm going to throw in some contextual questions around scheduling really quick, cool. uh, just to run through that mm-hmm. common question that we get, should I do my strength training on my rest day? 
Yeah, I mean, you you can, and sometimes you have to. Sometimes you're so fatigued on your on your um, whatever workouts you're doing, whether you're triathlete or a road uh, roadie, uh, mountain bike or whatever. Um, you might be so tired that coupling it or doing it in the same day is just out of the question. So you have mm-hmm. to do it on the recovery day, but you have to understand that what you do on that recovery day could impact what you've done and what you're going to do on the bike. Got it. So when possible, I like athletes to get it all done in the same day so that they can, re- can reserve their recovery days solely for recovery. That makes sense. It's not it's good realistic. mentally too. I think it so is. Too. It is for sure. You don't have to go to another gym. Uh, we're, we have a pretty sweet gym here. We have an awesome um, gym. But, but most people, you have to drive to a gym to do weight training. And yeah. that is another, you know, it's just, oh, yeah. it just takes another 45 minutes or, or more day. for people, yeah, to get there and pack e- up. And even do if it's just 10 minutes each way, that's 20 more minutes every day. And 20 yeah. minutes. It adds up. And then you change. Then and maybe up. you shower. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah. An- yeah. Another it's another an couple questions on this. <clears throat> um, another common one we have is which is better, strength training before my cycling workout or strength training after my cycling yeah, workout? I've seen <clears throat> studies enough studies on the matter to only confuse me. So I, mm-hmm. I'm not sure mm-hmm. one is notab- notably better than the other. Yeah. Um, it, it, sometimes they say if you do your strength training first, it's going to impact what you can do on the bike. And then some people say, well, if you do your strength training first, you come into the bike with a certain level of fatigue, which is very much what you're going to face if you're a, a triathlete, for instance, or if you're two hours into a four hour race, for instance. So it's not bad to train with fatigue. Sometimes there are strong arguments on both sides of it. Yeah. If I could throw in, geez, man, my voice is going away. Um, if I can throw in a couple of points on this, if you find yourself struggling or you're new to strength training Mm -hmm. and you're still figuring out technique, Mm -hmm. you might not want to reserve the strength training for after the bike, because you might be more fatigued coming in and more likely to perhaps let yourself not have perfect technique. And that's a solid argument in terms of prioritizing. Or uh, in favor of prioritizing strength over endurance. Right. And then if you're on the other side and you have like, let's say uh, you have a very demanding bike workout later on, that's a key workout for the week. It may not be a good idea to do strength training before then if that yeah. workout still again, be so yeah. So it's not a it's not a one size fits all recommendation. It's going to change perfect, based that's on a perfect. Yeah, very good point. If yeah. it's a 60 minute aerobic ride. Right. Maybe sure. you do strength training first. Right. If it's these really incredibly hard anaerobic efforts, yeah. maybe you don't do strength training first. Yep. Yeah. Um, if it's a sprint workout and you need to be as fresh as possible, you definitely don't do your strength training first. Yeah. The way I try to think of it is that your strength training and your training on the bike should work together toward a common goal instead of you looking at both of them, canceling each other out and needing to fit it in. Excellent point. Yeah. I always do strength training after working out because for, for my goals, it's cycling first. Right. And then the strength training is to supplement holes in my cycling. And you're familiar enough with the lifts and the techniques and everything else. Yeah, yeah. That because you know, if you are new, it's certainly worth consideration to to place as much caution on that as possible because mm-hmm. a simple, you know, bad technique issue could really, you know, so, cause it. Yeah. So which brings us to the actionables. Yeah. So well, again, I'm, I'm gonna say what I do too, and this is probably wrong. This is somebody <laughs> told me, very smart person actually, that you can have different levels of mTOR and AMPK. That's the cell signaling signaling, uh-huh. where mTOR is for strength and AMPK is for endurance uh-huh. at different in different muscles. So, oh, yeah, totally. So what I what I do is, since I'm not doing lower body stuff, I do my cycling workout. And immediately after, I'm even will – I've solved my saddle sore issues by not doing TT stuff. Um, <laughs> Amazing. Even, Never again. Works, yeah. yeah. <laughs> even in my uh, – I go in my bibs and I put on just a shirt and walk one room over and go to our gym. And then I do – I think what you're going to talk about here, but I do uh, low rep, maybe two sets, mm-hmm. three exercises, mm-hmm. try to get stronger. Like, you know, trying to go heavier and heavier and progress through, mm. and then I'm done. Um, so it's not enough to, like, 
destroy me. Yeah, you'd but, be surprised what you can accomplish with very little work. Well, uh, very little work in terms of time. I mean, the intensity right. obviously has yeah. to be there, but you don't have to spend an hour in the gym. You can get away with 20 minutes. I mean, you can do a lot in 20 minutes. And for one of them, dips, I think, like I took a lot of time off strength training. I was like doing four dips. And now I can do eight dips, two sets with a 45 plate. Right. Like, you know what I mean? And that's just with that little bit. Mm -hmm. um, I don't, do I need to get to three plates for dips? Probably not for cycling. Right. Um, this is probably good, but if I just maintain that, that will help my, that, that my triceps with both mountain biking oh, yeah. and being in the drops. Can it increase that Jersey size? No, dude, you gotta be arrow. <laughs> Chad right. and I just swapped true. jerseys today. <laughs> he gave me his That's mediums true. and I'm giving him his largest because he has more muscles than me. It's true. Yeah. True yeah, story. Yeah. Not fitting real well anymore. So actionables. Uh, actionables. Let's get into <clears> it. So let, let's keep it still more, more towards fundamentals than specifics, but get in the habit of training movements, not muscles. Mm. Don't look at them at, at machine. <laughs> they have their place. Yeah. Um, the machines place being getting you to actual exercises, not fake ones, but <laughs> train, train movements. So, so think of a squatting movement or a, a, a lifting movement, a pulling movement, a pushing movement, a uh, split squat movement. Don't focus so much on, Ooh, I want I want my calves to be bigger or I want my <laughs> biceps to be bigger. Yeah. Or I'm going to really Compound movements you're talking about. Compound multi-joint. This and, isn't, this and isn't our case heavy. Like, this is not bodybuilding. No, yeah, we're not trying to yeah. build big muscles. We're trying to build strong ones. Right. So our aim is pretty specific. Mm -hmm. um, on that note of specificity, tempo specificity. So, so even the top level cyclists, and right now I'm thinking of uh, Peter Sagan, Laurent, uh, Marcel Kittel, I mean, all these top level sprinters, they do a lot of, they do a lot of strength yeah. training work, relatively speaking, mm -hmm. but they're still endurance athletes. So they still recognize they have to be able to ride 200 K before they get to sprint or 150 K or whatever it is before they get to sprint. So they're still very much endurance athletes, but they also recognize the, the benefit of being able to recruit a lot of muscle mass in the moments that, it ma that matter the most. So they do, and I've, I've seen evidence of this in, in recent history where they do squats and they do them very tempo specific. I and mean, when we're talking about a weight that you can move really quickly, a weight that you could move you know, 60, 70, 80 mm -hmm. times a minute. And they're not doing 80 reps in a minute, but they're moving four or five times in a minute at that rate. So they'll yeah. sink down, explode up, sink down, explode up. So they're keeping it really specific. Yeah. I, I guess that kind of makes sense because one thing a lot of people, and this is a, a common concept that, that hopefully we can break in our minds, but we think that you know, if we go to the gym, well, first of all, just think of the reps that you do on a bicycle. There's a whole lot of reps, right? You're, you know, yeah. your average cadence is around 95 reps. Thousands and thousands of reps per, right? per hour. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, if you're sitting at 95 reps per minute, I can't think of a single exercise you could do in the gym that would put you up to that point, right? Like you're not, not that would be, really do anything for you other than cultivate more endurance. I right. Mean, it's it'd not going to build strength. It'd be pretty tough to bench press anything for 95 times in a minute, right? Yeah, like, and like, again, <laughs> endurance. <laughs> it would be seriously intense. Yeah. So it's like you, to your point, is there, there's specific goals with this because of the fact that you're building stuff, you know, fit, or strength for cycling, cycling specifically. Yes. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And then on to, and we're just about to wrap this up. If you're tired of this topic, <clears throat> some basic recommendations in terms of uh, the actual movements. So I, I prefer single limb when possible for, for a number of reasons. And of course I want to keep it movement specific. Okay. So we're looking for movements that, that we do on a bicycle. So movements, particular movements that we want to make stronger. We're trying to reinforce neuromuscular patterning. These are the way I want my muscles to move. I just want them to move with a little more force. Got it. So when you say single limb, you're talking about lifting. Unilateral. So, so, you know, instead of maybe a, 
um, a, a barbell row, maybe mm-hmm. you do alternating dumbbell rows, which are a little more familiar, a little more similar to what happens that the contralateral movement that takes place when one foot's pressing down and the opposite arm is pulling upward. Yeah. So anything that kind of roughly simulates what we're after. One of the exercises I believe that's even in that strength training video that you have is renegade rows, where you actually uh-huh. do that very thing. Yeah. Um, with dumbbells in a push-up position. <clears throat> that's kind of a catch-all exercise. It, it hits a lot of. It's it checks a lot of boxes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really helpful one. But, and then as far as the movements themselves, um, anything you lift from the ground, whether it's a, a squat or a deadlift or a snatch or a clean or whatever, that's, I just see that as postural reinforcement. The mm-hmm. whole body gets strong. The whole body gets better at doing and maintaining its position, regardless of whether it's on a bike, whether you're standing upright, whether you're sitting at a desk, whatever. Mm-hmm. The, I see those as just beneficial to the entire body. So if you were to only do one thing, I like picking things up from the ground. Yeah, yeah, putting them wherever, sense. where it's overhead, whether it's overhead, whether it's on my shoulders, whether it's just up to a, a, a standing position with a deadlift bar hanging at my hips, whatever. Right. Um, and then pushing, in the case of pushing, both limbs at once has it has its place. Um, we don't typically push much on a bicycle, so and we do kind of row the handlebars if you think in terms of like mountain biking, for instance. So, so if you were to do bilateral exercises, I think pressing exercises make the most sense. And not too many people can do one arm push ups, and it's <laughs> not too many at all. Yeah, <laughs> one arm, like five. <laughs> there are many. I mean, and like I said, just said with, with pulling, alternating contralateral movements, because that basically simulates what we do on the bike. And then handlebar specific hand arm position. So yeah. I do uh, hanging rows where you just hang under a bar and pull your, you know, you, you get like a reverse plank or a plank position and you pull yourself up to a bar. Think about the position that, you know, are you on a road bike holding your hands in a hammer position? Are you on a mountain bike with really wide bars holding your hands in an over, in an over grip position? Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe do those so that your, your muscles are like spe- specifically totally. learning and getting stronger at movements you will apply to your bike riding. I saw somebody the other day, they had like a, a kettlebell and they had like welded a mountain bike handlebar onto the kettlebell. Oh, cool. And that was like their push-up thing, basically. So like it made it so Why that, not? yeah. And, and the thing that's interesting about, like, I really think the width thing to get that without welding a handlebar onto your kettlebell. There's a lot of ways around that. Get two kettlebells. And that's one thing that I really like with a lot of these things is you can use those. You can change the position. Kettlebells are more like a road that. position, more yeah. like a mountain. Yeah. And you can really. There's a certain level of instability with those too. So yeah, you can't be great. sloppy. You have to be balanced, which obviously on a bicycle, we have to be balanced. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then of course, what everybody wonder, really wonders about is legs. And, and when it comes to lifting legs, you know, during the time of season where you can get away with lifting heavy or, you know, even during maintenance season where you maybe do it once a week, again, unilateral exercises. Yes, deadlifts are great. Squats are great. You know, full squats, front squats, overhead squats are all fantastic. But I like my athletes to have a particular type of, of specificity to it. And we're, we're only using one leg at a time, whether we're running, whether we're riding. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and it creates a balanced musculature. You can see, am I stronger on my left side than my right side? Markedly so is probably something I should address. Subtly so, eh, probably not much of a concern. Safety. It's hard to hurt yourself when you're only working one leg at a time. You can only put so much weight on your body. So it's a little safer. Yeah. And then the coordination, balance, and stabilization that come with just using one leg. So, I mean, if you do like a, a Bulgarian split squat where you've got your left, your back leg is up on a bench and your front leg is the only thing really supporting you. Yep. And you're coming up, I mean, you're, you're doing uh, single leg squats. Yeah. There's a whole lot of balance and coordination that goes along with that. And a lot of that carries really well to riding a bike. Yep. Kind of go. And I'm done. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to run by my, run what I do. Okay. And you can shake your head in disappointment. 
<laughs> Sounds Listen, good. Uh, <laughs> and understand this is a lot of, a lot of this is scientific. I base a lot of my gripes on actual science and I base <laughs> a lot of my gripes on preference and personal philosophy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's a mix between trying to look a little bit less cyclist and to gain strength. Got so it. strength that helps you on the bike. Yep. You're saying, Got and it. I mix them up into push days and pull days. So, and I try to do just three sets. Sometimes I do a little more. Um, sometimes I'm in rush. I do a little less push day, dumbbell bench press, two sets. I like that. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then I do dips, two sets. And I, and I try to weight them and all of these, I try to go between three and five and then I progress in weight. That it actually reminds me of something I didn't talk about is, uh, when I was talking about training movements and not muscles, I'm a big advocate for body weight exercise before external loading. If you can't do it without any weight other than your body <laughs> yeah. with proper form, you have no business weighting that exercise. Yeah. We're so concerned with lifting more weight, lifting more weight that we lose sight of lifting it properly. So if you can't do it with no weight or, or maybe a stripped bar, then do not load that bar until you can do it just right. And then the last one, which I've recently started doing, but I really like is landmine press. And mm-hmm. for that people who that's kind of a weird name, you take a, let's like a, um, 45 pound bar, Barbell. like what you do for your bench press, you either put it in the corner or there's like, um, turtle sleeves you can put in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you put some plates on it. And then what I do is I don't use any attachment, but I just put my hands right on the bar and I push it overhead. Uh-huh. If you're watching the video, you can see Nate yep. doing the movement. Right so now. it's kind of like this, it gets in this circle and push there. It's an arc. Yeah, it's an arc. And I find that really helps work my, um, my delts, my shoulders, mm-hmm. where I've always had kind of postural muscles hitting those. And then two, you can, at the end, maybe give a little bit of a, a push with my legs if I want to. Mm-hmm. And, and that works well, but it, the amount of strength, even just to bring that bar up, like your, your whole body's working right when you're doing yeah. this. And then I do two sets of that and then I'm done. You can make that even more compound, more multi-joint by adding a squat into that. Squat oh, yeah, down, sure. stand up, and basically 100%. a thruster. But I don't want to, again, these are right after my cycling yeah, workouts. Sure, my sure. legs are cooked. I'll sure. probably fall over. <laughs> um, and then on the, uh, I used to do deadlifts on my pull day, but I found that that in- interferes with my cycling too much. So I start with pull-ups um, and I, I've i gone between, now I can, I'm better at pull-ups now, not as good as you, but uh, I've done some weighted pull-ups. And then sometimes I'll do with bands if depending on, cause I like to actually do more sets of pull-ups. I find, I, I don't, I just want to get better at pull-ups. So sure. I don't know why I'm doing so many more sets. Yeah. I but. mean, so I, I, yeah. I give Nate a lot of uh, grief for his flat pull down machine and, <laughs> and just cause we, we have one coming <laughs> Yeah, and it's mostly for rows that I want to do, but, but yeah. he, you're, you're taking the right direction. At least you're working towards pull-ups. Too many yeah. people graduate or earn, they never graduate past lat pull downs. And I see lat pull downs as only a mechanism to be able to l- learn how to do pull-ups. Yeah. If, 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 I don't care if you can pull 250 pounds down. 20 times on a lap pull down. If you can't do five pull-ups, you are missing the point. I can do weighted pull-ups, but, yeah. and then also I switch hand position. So I'll be overhand. Sometimes I'll True. go, <clears throat> I think it's good to vary hands that. in and then I'll do yeah, hands totally. together. Keep your body guessing. I'll do rack pulls. Rack pulls are, you put like one hand on the rack of dumbbells and you kind of bend over in a 45 degree angle. And then you, you row a dumbbell much mm-hmm. like you were sprinting. And yeah. it's very important. This and and to the posture is really similar to a bike yep. position. You really yeah. want to lock your back out mm-hmm. and you want to pull through and use your rhomboids and your lats. There's this thing where you can do where you kind of like twist your body. You don't yeah. want to twist your body because it, it's, it's, it has its, its place. It's benefits. It's depending. what I'm saying is you don't want to uh, get it through uh, this jerking motion. Oh yeah. You're not yeah. doing it with your torso and exactly. Yeah. Do it with yeah. Your yeah. You can kind of like load it up and just kind of like spring it up oh, sure. versus yeah. 
lift it. Yeah, um, and then the last one, I'll do some bicep like curls. Then maybe abs and the neck thing right. gets thrown in well, there. In, but in defense, I do some bicep. Things curls. like right. you, you gotta, say, say deadlifts wipe you out for the bicycle. But if you you know you do it in the preseason, you do it in the base season, such that you carry enough strength into the maintenance time of year that you can do really heavy lifts yeah. then you can do those three to five and i'd be willing to bet it won't have hardly any impact on your bike workouts yeah. yeah it's the progression part i get i get in this i get stuck in my head where i'm like you have to progress and i want to my college lifting numbers i want to hit them again so i'm always loading it rather than maintenance <laughs> you know what i mean yeah instead of doing yeah uh, i always like oh i can do another place yeah when you get in when you get into maintenance you've yeah. plateaued you're going to stay there for the rest of the year i mean strength gains are no longer the focus so hard to do i feel like you need to it, re-listen it to what chad said so far on the strength training <laughs> mm-hmm. and then it'll help okay one question chad um then we'll end okay if if my goal is to get stronger can i get it on low volume or do i have to go high volume Oh, with the lifting. Yeah. Um, no, no, you, you'd be surprised what you can do in terms of strength gains. Again, it doesn't take a heck of a lot. And Nate actually pointed out a study that we found is, is brand new. 2019 is listed for the, for the published date. Um, but it, it, it's not exactly new information. It just shows you that you can accomplish as much on one set per workout versus three sets versus five sets in terms of strength gains. I mean, the, the, the hypertrophy that the muscle size changes with volume, it goes up, but the actual strength gains, between those three uh, volumes mm-hmm. are basically the same. Let's post that study. Ian, it's in the Advanced Fitness Channel in Slack. So if you take the take the link to the study, you know, the article, and put it in there. Basically what it was is um, two groups of people, one people doing less volume and heavy weight, another, another group doing higher volume mm-hmm. with that eight to 10 rep range. And the higher volume got bigger muscles, but didn't get any stronger than the low rep. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And this, this too, um, as you get to be more advanced and you are a power lifter and you're elite, let's say you're a, I'm going to say like for cycling a four or five watt per kilo, yeah. Yeah. these things change, but as all of us, we're cyclists, not dedicated strength practitioners. Yeah. We're not right. there. So we can get a big benefit and it, 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 it changes as it gets, you have to add volume. You can't be like a power lifter and be like, Oh, I lift uh, two sets a week. You know, like that doesn't work out. Right. Um, yeah. so I just want to make sure I'm sure there's someone typing for yourself. Yeah. It's right. just like with riding. I mean, if three workouts a week, have brought you to a certain level of fitness, right. you're probably not going to go past that level of fitness until you change something. Everything ends sometime. Yeah. It all yeah. It plateaus. Whew. So that's, uh, if we did you it. Have, yeah, okay. it's good. If any of you have questions on strength training remaining from that, uh, just go to trainer.com slash podcast. Just listen again. Submit them there. Sure. Listen back through and you can submit them through there. Um, cause we, I'm sure, you know, we, we, that's a thorough covering, but I'm sure that there are other questions you may have. So feel free to, to submit them, please. Uh, Chris's question. He says, I'm a big fan of the podcast and I listen to past episodes most every day on my commute to work. My question has to deal with what plans to choose for me to target my goals. I've just completed my first week of your sweet spot base mid volume one plan and have not yet nailed down my build and specialty phases. I know that I'm drawn to Criterium, so I'm inclined to choose the short power build and Criterium plans, which is a common approach that we see. Uh, he says, following the completion of this sweet spot base phase, he says, but to preface my question, this week I listened to one of your podcasts where a fellow wrote in and asked if he should go for a sustained power approach for Criteriums or something similar to this. And to paraphrase, to paraphrase what Coach Chad said, he says that uh, you would most likely end up becoming a one-trick pony with this approach, where you're limited on the different capabilities you have. So here are my questions. Number one, can you list off some of the diverse capabilities that successful crit racers have? And then number two, what build and specialty plans check most of the boxes to make me the most diverse, well-rounded crit racer I can be? 
Is it the short power build and crit plan or something like the general build and rolling road race plan? Uh, he says, thanks for keep up the great work and hashtag beat Pete. We already beat him, man. It's already done. We did it. Yeah, Check. it's done. Um, <laughs> sort of. Yeah. No, we did. Yeah, we Based did. Based on the rules, we did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's true. I don't think we're going to beat Pete very much this year. Um, okay, so uh, looking at this one, can you list off some of the diverse capabilities that successful crit racers have? <clears throat> yeah. That's, this is this is a super interesting topic. Yeah, so obviously you have to have big neuromuscular strength or power. You need yeah. to be able to you jump to. quickly. You have to cover things. You have to initiate things. You have to sprint. Uh, you don't have to sprint, but you know, if you want to do well, you're going to have to sprint. Yeah. Um, obviously, you have to have good endurance. The events are at least 40 minutes, right? Or yeah, maybe 30 minutes. Maybe for 30 the, minutes. For, for lower category. But still, you got to have a reasonably big engine to ride hard for 30 minutes. Yep. To an hour. You got to be able to change tempo. Minutes, yeah. So you have to be able to load the muscles up, clear the muscles. So you got to have a big aerobic motor to clear the lactate. You got to have a big anaerobic motor to generate the lactate. Mm -hmm. um, you, I mean, you, you pretty much got to have it all. I mean, criterium racing incorporates a little bit of everything. And then if you're going to be a breakaway type of crit racer, you got to have big muscle endurance. Yep. Yeah. On top of it. That's the, the interesting thing about a criterium racer is I feel like you can be faced with any sort of requirement for a fitness profile or something like that at any point in a criterium. Whereas, you know, uh, I guess, sure, you might be able to argue that in a not competitive trial, you know, a time trial field or something like that, you could have poor pacing. But in that one, it's kind of like there's this clear path in terms of how to be successful, mm -hmm. you know, Dude, this usually. Is, this so. is for diverse. You can be a one-trick pony where you all can. you do is sprint or all you do yep. is when the pack slows down, you do a 40-minute solo. Yeah. And there are some guys who are strong enough to pull that off every single time. It's, yep. it's ridiculous. So you can, especially if you recognize that as one of your strengths, fully and fully, you fully pursue totally that deep. route. Yeah. And it could be the fact that in the, so the, where we usually race is the Northern California, Northern Nevada region, but Northern California, it's an extremely competitive region in terms of road cycling. So highly competitive. there's a lot, there's a big depth of experience as well as a lot of fitness. So there are certain regions where there's a lot of fitness, but not quite as much experience or a ton of experience, but maybe not as much fitness. But what you get is in this case, you can have the same course and you can race it 15 times and 15 times it will end up shaking out differently. Like uh, the, the demands of the event will be different, even though it's the same course. And that's, what's so interesting about criteriums is that usually the courses are kind of simple, you know, at least it's short laps. So it's not like, you know, anything that's changing or has a huge unique part in it. So really it kind of neutralizes the course in some respects. And it's just, however, everybody else wants to play their cards. All the racers do. That's how it ends up going. Game of chess. It's totally. always different. Yeah. Yeah. That's same board. That's same. one of the many aspects of it that makes it so fun. Yep. Yeah. So I, I feel that, um, you know, last year was the first time that I've actually focused on sustained work, even though it was very minimal amount of time to be able to do that, but still sustained work. And I feel so much more comfortable going into like the thought process, going into criteria now because I feel like I have another ace in my pocket. I think the in, in this case, the build is pretty flexible. I mean, sweet spot base is where I'd pretty much send anybody. Yeah. Um, and then I'll just jump right to specialty and say crit plan. Mm -hmm. there's, there's every other, I mean, it's specifically dedicated to making you a good crit rider. And that's part of the reason why the build is a bit flexible because you can focus on, maybe you're not really good at sustained power. So you choose a sustained power build and, yeah. and you improve that. And then you come into the crit plan and you have eight weeks to hone your criterium specific fitness. Yes. So the, the build is the most flexible of the three phases there. I feel like, uh, you, the, the build is more of like the, it's, it's the, the less specific fitness and it covers more bases in some respects. And then the specialty phase 
days. So for, for me, for example, what I would do if I was prepping for a season of crit racing is I would do general and maybe even sustained, or I might mix in, mix in some sustained workouts into something like that and then go and sharpen things up with the shorter, harder stuff. Cause I know for me that I react very quickly to that sort of training, the shorter, harder, repetitive stuff. So I'd rather kind of shore up some other sides of things mm -hmm. before mm -hmm. I go into that. I think it's a good thing of you think about what are my weaknesses versus my strengths. Mm -hmm. And if I'm getting dropped from surges, well, maybe I'll do general build or sharp power build. Yeah. But if I'm Just not, that. Oh, surges. Sorry. Yep. Yep. Yep, yep. yep. And then if I'm not, and I'm like, Ooh, I'm going to, I'm going to win a breakaway. I'm going to do uh, sustained power build. If I say I'm going to win in, uh, um, in a sprint at the end, or uh, um, this is really surgy uh, crits that have like little hills, I'm going to do short power build. Mm -hmm. Or if I want to be more of this all around person where I'm going to have a really high chance to win any race, general build. Yeah. Right. Like I'm not, I want to be flexible because a lot of times uh, the, the race doesn't play out how you want it. So yep. you don't have a chance you have to be adaptive yeah, to and, use and capable in a lot of ways. And then, so that's, that's how I would, I would pick it. I feel like it's like the best way to increase like your win percentage in a lot of ways in criterium racing is by making sure that you're not just a one trick pony, basically like and many know. arrows in the quiver. I mean, you just, and you become a more or a less predictable rider. People don't know what yeah, you're going to do. I mean, if you are a one trick pony, it's really easy to anticipate what that guy's going to do. You, yep. you race with the same group a few times and you are that, that one trick. The group will mark you. And or they won't. They'll just know that, you know, right. he's going to take off and ride solo for 40 minutes. So we just have to get it together for 20 minutes to bring it back. He'll be tired and we'll roll by. Yeah. It's, it's kind of a situation where, uh, there are racers locally here that are able to pull out any number of different options to win a race. And they, what you end up doing is you end up working so hard to cover a lot of their moves or to try to put them out of their comfort yeah, zone. When they're a threat on a lot of levles, it's they're hard. They're a big concern, they're yeah. a going concern throughout the entire entirety of the race. Yeah. So this year for me is focused on road stuff and funny, my wife, I, cause there's a, there's a lot of Northern California races, but they all take 10 hours or eight hours in the weekend to drive it's there. A, yeah. It's a back. weekend cause three to five hours of driving. So I asked my boss at home if I could go <laughs> and she said, you can do those See, as those long ones. as you don't do that stupid Leadville thing. <laughs> so <laughs> it's one or the other. Yeah, exactly. Nice. So I was like, okay, there I won't do the stupid Leadville thing yeah, and I'll yeah. do these red races. But for me, we're talking, I want to ask you a, uh, a question chat of what I should do. So I was talking with Pete here and I love to talk tactics with Pete. I don't have a very great sprint. I can put out a lot of power in the saddle. So first question is, um, is there a ever a reason to, I'm going to use sprint or maybe a long sprint in the saddle without being out of the saddle? Yeah, for sure. Totally. I, mean, I mean, you don't have to stand to sprint. I mean, that that's in the classic sense, that's, that's a sprint, but you can sprint seated and a lot of riders can generate a ton of power. I mean, it's not going to be like an explosive eight second sprint from the saddle, it's not but a, it could yeah. be a really powerful 20, 30, 40 second sprint yeah. from, from the saddle. And this, I, I like them simply because it's, it's a great way to, to sneak away from a group, whether mm -hmm. it's a sprint, you know, a, a pre sprint or a, a finished sprint, staying seated and powering away on the outside of a turn just it doesn't raise the hackles like an out of the saddle yeah. all limbs or you know body flailing yeah really aggressive attack but Pete says it's stealthy he 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 always talks about those those seconds of reaction from the group mm. and he goes 
If you can oh, get yeah. three seconds where they look at each other, yep. that is the difference, especially on the end in the last lap oh, yeah. versus the, 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 the instant response. I think to your point is, if you're out of the saddle sprinting super hard. It's like, come get me. I'm going to go. Yeah, come it's, get me. It's like, mm-hmm. a, it's like the, the rabbit with the dogs, right? They just can't yeah. help yeah. it. But when, but when you're kind of down, and especially if you can make it look pretty fluid, it might be a couple seconds because it doesn't seem like it's going as fast. Seriously, and when that two or three second gap opens up, and it's one or two laps to go, and people are preserving themselves for that sprint, they are so much less likely to want to do that much work and then hope they still have something left for a sprint. Yes. So it can that, that two or three seconds can grow into four or five or six seconds. Before you know it, you've got enough gap. All you have to do is stay on the gas, yeah. and it's yours. I want to clarify something on this, too. <clears throat> uh, it's This isn't a field sprint technique. This isn't a coming across the line technique. No, no this is a When you're sprinting across the line, go. that's when you're out of the saddle. And if you don't know how to sprint out of the saddle, I see a lot of people like uh, – uh, in lower categories, like they'll cross the finish line and they were in the saddle the whole time and kind of going against, you know, a field sprint. It, it's it's fine if you don't feel comfortable doing it for sure, but it's something that I would definitely encourage you as a crit racer to learn, learn that. Oh, yeah. um, but this, we're, so we're not talking about staying seated and sprinting against a bunch of guys that are out of the saddle putting out. This is a torque. different type of sprint. In fact, let's just put it in quotes. It's a yeah. sprint. Yeah, exactly. It's a long right. sprint. Let's just call it a long sprint. And this is like where, so I, I regularly, cause I have a really, really effective snap out of the saddle. I can accelerate very quickly for a short period of time like that. And I'll use that many times because it doesn't feel particularly draining to me. And I'm able to boom, snap up onto somebody's wheel very effectively and then, you know, ride their wheel in a break. But I always, always end up signaling folks, right? Always with Mm -hmm. that sort of thing. So that's something that I think, uh, even though you may feel like it's very effective to get you to where you need to be, hopefully you can train a different side of things so that you can still not throw up those alarm bells. Because honestly, many times in a crit race, you will not be the fastest person or in a crit and you will still win because you were just the one that made the right move at the right time or somebody else didn't make the right move at the right time. The other thing about being seated is you give off less of a draft, especially, Uh and you, you also, you are more arrow. So Mm -hmm. maybe I'm putting, you know, I start with a thousand Watts seated, which I can do. Um, and that's not going to be obviously as much as an out of, out of the saddle sprint, but mm-hmm. my frontal area is so much lower. Totally. But so let's go back to that thing where it's, um, maybe last lap or something and I get a three second gap. Well, if I'm, if I'm up and I'm standing and someone mm-hmm. tries to bridge up, they have a much bigger wake behind me to get. Yeah, totally. Right? Yeah. And what we know too, from the, 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 all the wind tunnel stuff and cyclists should know this. So if I'm traveling, let's say 35 miles per hour but I have a good three, four second gap. The riders that have to come into my draft don't go 34. They go even harder. They have to go harder. To right. They go 36, 37. And to get into that draft, the, um, because, uh, wind resistance goes up exponentially as you're, you're going faster, they have to go even harder. Yes. So that's why having that little gap can really help. And if I have a, a less of a wake, it will take them longer to get into my draft. And that's why you really want to, like when you're chasing on, you don't start to ease up when you get close. That's why you go until you latch onto that wheel. Yeah, because then it really drops off. Yeah, because that's a mistake spending, you only have to make once or twice. Yep. Yeah, yeah, and I know it's tem- it's tempting because you feel so tired and it's hard. And you're, but you feel like you're close enough, but you're yeah, just not. Close that distance or else it's going to, you're spending so much time or you're spending more time working harder. That's basically the way to look at it. So here's, I'm going to just, people are going to race against me. Don't, don't just pretend I didn't say this. Okay. okay. You've got to disregard. Right? One of my best moves that I've done before is one, 45 seconds to one minute left. In the whole race, I go as hard as I can. You've and got, I, you've got really good uh, f- 
capability anaerobic capacity yeah yeah mm-hmm. uh, and so I, I think i can do just recently in a workout inside at the end of a of an interval thing i did 600 for a minute i think i can get that probably to 700 or more and that's with a, a good you know i could go to a thousand and then kind of die down to yeah. get that break um that so my strategy is especially with 45 seconds left uh the sprinter people they look at each other because to pull that back, especially if I can come from the back, and we have another crit video on YouTube where Pete Moore says this really well, mm-hmm. if you can come, really it's it's an attack from the back, so you come it's in five, six riders back maybe. Yep, yep. and you can, get a, uh, you can get speed before there's a reaction. Yeah, you could actually start farther back in the field from that. Yeah, totally. Pete does. Yeah. And it's it really, too, you kind of got to figure out, so this corner, everyone slows down, and if yeah. I take this wider wider line it's i don't get a draft but i can get more speed yeah our so, local crit course has a corner that is just perfectly set for this sort of <laughs> tactic yep, exactly yeah. um so what i'm thinking is if i can get that and at the end that's when especially in the lower categories people look at each other when you have a team it's different because a team two people can like kill themselves or destroy mm-hmm. themselves and yeah. catch back up and it doesn't work yeah the lower categories they say you get that because i want to yeah. sprint yeah, yeah uh, exactly if i if i bridge everyone up to you i automatically am going to get 20th place yeah, totally. Uh, so if that is my tactic, Chad, what should I, what kind of workout should I do to perfect that 45 to minute power, all out power, not repeatable, just all out 45 to 60 second repeats uh, at all out power, you know, come into the workout rested, go as hard as you can for each of the repeats and recover fully in between them. Yeah. And that's for, a big part, for, right? for a one minute effort, that's everything in, in the case of these. Otherwise you turn it into more of an aerobic sort of benefit and you're not growing that anaerobic capacity, which is what you're targeting right here. So uh, in the case of a minute repeat, you'd probably recover anywhere from five to eight minutes in between repeats. I'm talking like full recovery, noodling the whole time. By the time you're ready to go again, you're breathing through your nose, you're bored with recovery (laughs) and and you hit it hard again. And then you turn the workout off when you're not, when you're not reaching those, uh, you know, within whatever percentage, I'm not going to put a hard number on it, but when you notice you're you're kind of, uh, your, your power's fading a bit and what were eight, uh, 700 watt or 600 watt minutes have dropped to 550 or 530. Yeah. It's time to call it a day. Should each one be all out or do I want to be at like 95% so I can do more of them? Uh, it's a question of the workout. I mean, you can get benefit from both. So you could do two or three extremely hard efforts and that is a solid workout. A sprint workout, basically three 30 second wind gates or 60 seconds in this case, that, that's a sufficient workout. Uh, it's, uh, for a lot of people, that will be a sufficient stimulus. For more experienced racers, maybe you need to accumulate more time, which mm. means backing it off five or 10% and doing an extra five or six sprints. So, hmm. cool. Now I know the card you're gonna play. Well, I, I could do a breakaway too. It's true. Well, and, and even if, I mean, so, so you do that approach, you get a two or three second gap that already is discouraging, but someone gets up to you and you're still drilling it. So that's 15 seconds into what you're going to do for a minute. And they have to hang in there for another 10 seconds, another 10, another 10. At some point, mm-hmm. a lot of those riders come unglued. They're like, Nope, this is not happening. Oh, oh, what I want to do is, and you can get to the point where even if they know your strategy, they can't beat it. You're still stronger. Exactly. So that's the, it's like uh, hill climbing in the tour. Like, oh, he's going to attack on this hill. There are, there are a few things as satisfying as riding someone off your wheel, being in front and riding away from somebody. That's, there's, there's no bigger ego. What I don't want though, is in that last lap, someone ride on my wheel, (laughs) you know, and I just bring up the whole way. They're doing 400 (laughs) right guys. The right guys will do it too. I know. So don't, don't, don't do that. Let, let, at you should least let Nate, me win, you, people. Nate, you should have said, like, I want to go for a long bomb or, like, the final sprint finish. You just said Oh, yeah, like I'm going to sprint yeah. behind someone in the last <laughs> yeah. hundred meters. Yeah, exactly. That's that's your tactic. No, I, I, I do want to try. I'll, I'll do different tactics, but that's just – that's one where I think it, it – just talk about strengths and weaknesses. If that's a strength, I want to train that strength yeah. and have it be another – 
Why and not? It, it depends to the yeah, course. Like some sure. courses, they're just so packed, jammed. Like you can't, I can't do that strategy. Well, big right. fields. Yeah. I mean, you get, you'll spend half or more of the race, just positioning yourself for a move like that. It yeah. can be pretty tough, but with our local course, you can make that work just about any time. Totally. While we're talking race, uh, tactics really quick, a couple of clarifications <clears throat> from last week that oh, I yeah. want to throw in. Uh, we talked about attacking into a headwind actually being a good strategy. And in many cases it is right. Be, yeah. We thought about some edge cases where yeah, we said never do a tailwind, but it's not never. Of course it's not never. No never. Right. Yeah. 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 There's, there's never a never. Don't listen to us. Um, but we were thinking, <laughs> about when you introduce a climb into things. And if you think about attacking on a climb with wind, a slight tailwind can actually be good in that scenario yeah. um, just because it lessens the impact of aero drag and then it emphasizes the watt kg. So if you find yourself in a favorable position with watt kg, then that can be nice. Yeah, so right? the, the difference is too, uh, the amount of uh, how far you get away in an attack mm -hmm. is it's you don't get away as fast on a hill climb. So if there is a headwind, um, it's or harder. Perhaps not. Yeah. yeah. If there is, uh, yeah. well, I mean, well, I'm saying that if you're on an eight percent grade versus a flat road, after two seconds, you're going to be farther ahead on the flat road. You should be. It depends. Yeah. Depends. I guess it does depend. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm getting. Um, but the so if you're going into a headwind, you're going to have more of a wake that is more likely to hit that person behind you. If you're on a climb, creating a smaller gap. Um, I know in the I've I've seen things where in the tour they where there is a a headwind and they have people sacrificing themselves, nobody attacks. Yeah. But if there's a little bit of a tailwind, then it gets really exciting because on a climb, yeah, yep, yeah. On a climb because mm -hmm. um, people attack, attack each other because you don't get the benefit of getting in somebody's draft on that climb. I think it psychologically affects people too. Yeah, uh, for when sure. You, you feel that tailwind and you're climbing a little faster than you thought you were. Yeah, you so feel you're like, you know, Superman. All right, good. I can throw something out here and see how mm. it works. Yeah, Superman. So it's uh, versus a headwind, you know, it's making you climb slower than you were. And headwinds are just, you know, they even said psychologically speaking, ah, gosh, I don't know if this is a study or not. So who knows? It could be totally wrong. But I remember somebody referencing that and they were talking about mountaineering and the fact that, you know, with wind beating on you nonstop, that there's actual, you know, psychological effects with that. Mm. So the other thing, if I'm in a breakaway and I have, let's say, three or four riders with me and I want to make them tired mm -hmm. when I'm in the front and there's a tailwind, I'm pushing extra because yep. I, it's almost like a crosswind because they're going to have to, they're not going to get as good a draft and I want them to push more Watts too. Yes. Uh, and I know, I know Chris, you said there's, it's not likely to have the, the wind that's going the same speed in Reno. It is extremely likely. <laughs> yeah. It's almost like every day there's yeah. a 30 mile per hour wind, uh, <laughs> or at least once like a week. It. Yeah. In our yeah. Tuesday night crits, Every it's, Tuesday is the windiest day. It seems. I know, like thirty-five mile per hour crosswind <laughs> yeah. or tailwind, depending on the the day. So seems it's like it. It's a tactic that can happen depending where you live. For sure. Yeah. Um, before we get into Mark's question, I just want to thank everybody really quick on the reviews for the podcast. That's right. Uh, we had we had some reviews. We can do better. We could get more reviews. It would be awesome. Five star reviews, and if they're not five star, let us know what we can do to be better, and we'll try to do that. Um, but we're we're now. We're ahead of Lance. By how many votes? It was like seven. <laughs> it was, yeah, I was pretty slim, <laughs> <laughs> but we're ahead of him for a bit. So uh, uh, yes, uh, please keep that up. You can do that on iTunes um, or, or, and if you don't even listen on iTunes, it doesn't, I've seen a lot of people say, well, I don't, I don't use, I, you know, I don't use iTunes. You can still even review it online, but yeah. you if you feel we, yeah, a little review? for sure. If you feel we earn it, if not, don't worry about it. Uh, so Mark, uh, he says, I race vets or vet masters road races. Hold on, I'm going to pause right here. We need to talk about something that you guys are going to do, possibly, since we're talking about masters. Oh, I'm going to pause it even before that and okay. say something else. Okay. Tim Riley emailed me individually. Who's Tim Riley? 
Tim Riley is a user from okay. the UK, Got and it. he has a house for us to use. For? For Iron Man Bolton. Oh, gosh. He said, if you guys want to do an Iron oh, Man gosh. race, uh, <laughs> no, no, he goes, no. uh, you have a house here in the UK. Oh, and, no. uh, Housing we'll isn't the limiting factor. We'll pay for your flights. <laughs> I'll rent you a wetsuit. Uh, for Chad and I? Yeah. But you're not involved. No, I'll do it. Oh, okay. If you guys do it, I'll do it. But no, uh, no. I told him I would spring it live on the podcast on you guys. So no. what are you, are you ready to do Iron Man Bolton? No. No. Yeah, that's no. what I thought. No. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Tim. Thank I told you, you that no. It's very nice of you. Very kind. No. Uh, but no, no. Chad and I. I are not iron men. Uh, that's just how, how it works out. So, uh, but you two are going to get real close. Oh, there was drinking involved. I don't know if it's going to happen. <laughs> At the Christmas party, there was, uh, was booze field. Some, was, yeah. some libations are involved. Wait, that's how uh, <laughs> Nate got a Stella in him. And <laughs> that was that. And <laughs> so Chad and Nate are going to go after Masters. Well, maybe. <laughs> Need the bike. There's a lot it's of in the earliest stages of kicking it around. I want to hold you guys to this because it'd be awesome <laughs> uh, for many reasons. Uh, Masters, tan- it's it's it just rolls right off the tongue. Masters Tandem TT National Championships. <laughs> which, <laughs> which is probably more competitive than we're giving credit for. It's probably really competitive. We're going to find out. It's dangerously yeah. fast. We were, th- I was, we were joking that it was like, yeah, like, so that's how you'll get your national championship yeah. bands on the jersey. Basically, right? you just find the nichest of niches. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then go for that. <laughs> Put the stripes on your sleeve and yeah. call it, <laughs> call it a good. lifetime. Yep. Um, but we were thinking about this. You guys could actually put out a lot of power between the two of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would like uh, Chad to be in front. He's more arrow. Yeah. And then maybe I won't have to be as low too. Yeah. 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 I, uh, I feel so like. So I can put out more power. I feel like. Uh, and then you'd put uh, what? The thing is, I guess, I don't know if anybody can find links to like arrow TT bikes or arrow tandem bikes. Uh, send put them into the forum. We might episode. have access to one. This will be something we're like, we'll write it once the day before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Chad will be, crash at the turnaround for sure. You'll be yelling at me on the race day. Oh. The thing is we have to find a, a, like for, I guess reach won't really be a big deal for me because there's some of them too where you're, I could probably big, ride so like- positioning will be hard. Yeah, but I could even kind of ride a road position. I know how to fix it. And the saddle, <laughs> the saddle height. I might have to do a custom like seat post or something. <laughs> we put rearward extensions behind Chad and then you, you can just reach there. You can get your reach. You'll be it's reaching around Chad. UCI rules. Nice and comfy. <laughs> yeah, but anyways, that seemed like a good idea when we were drinking. <laughs> this. I don't like. We talked about going to nationals anyways, just for fun. Oh, uh, man. But we could try it, Chad. We should just do it every year until we win. I think it's good that <laughs> pictures Chad, on the internet. It's good that Chad isn't in back because I could see him getting frustrated and just punching you. So keep him in front. <laughs> just kidding, keep kidding blows. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, so I'm so tall too. My 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 face is probably gonna be resting on his lower back. <laughs> we saw a photo of that, and that uh, pretty much just cinched it for me. I'm not doing this. You build something into your kit. Where it's way like, too much touching. I can rest my forehead on your back, <laughs> like a fairing pad. Yeah, like exactly. That. So I don't have to like do deal with my neck. It's more lost just, to the pedals. Okay. Hope right. you don't have too much protein. Back. Back to, the the <laughs> Back to the question. Yeah. All right. Mark races vet masters road races at a high level, finishing in top three most weekends. I've had about 10 to 12 wins this year. That's a good win percentage for road racing, yeah. especially at that level. And he says this year and just needs something extra to get national championships jerseys. So I thought I'd give trainer road a go trainer road a go. I've done the sweet spot base, high volume one plan, and I'm planning on doing the general build volume, or he says that he is doing the general build mid volume plan now. My question is, would it be okay to do two general build plans back-to-back 
then go into the specialty phase. I'm looking to peak for the beginning of May for a three-day race. I've come close to winning three times, but missed out by seconds or a puncture. Oh, that'd be the worst. It says, love the training plans. Thanks, Mark. So really his question is back doing back-to-back -back build phases. phases. Yeah. 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 And in most cases, I would think of a couple better ways to go, what I would consider to be better ways. In your case, being a longtime racer, you know yourself well, you're fast, you can probably, it sounds like you can handle a lot of volume. I think this might actually be a workable idea because basically you're, you're talking about doing a base phase and then doing a build, a 16 week build phase, yeah, which doesn't have to be three on one off. It could be two on one, uh, one off and, and you're a master's rider. I, I would recommend that. I mean, you're a master's rider. You could be 30 years old. You could be 60 years old. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, if you're toward the latter or the, the, the older end of that, I would absolutely recommend two on one off. If you're younger, maybe the three on one off works well. But 16 weeks of building could actually work for an athlete who's, who's this experienced and can tolerate this much volume. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I, I think it's not a bad idea. And obviously you're going to reassess what three times over the course of that. So you're going to keep on inching it up. And I'd be willing to bet if you've made it this far in your career and you're still getting results like these, that you recognize danger signs and you're probably pretty good at backing down the training when it's necessary. Yeah. So the danger signs, I, I see they could be very much evident in this. Like this is a, a common or there are a lot of pitfalls with this one, basically, uh, just because uh, basically when you're in a build phase, it's it's a substantial amount of work. It's pretty tough. And when you're building for three, Builds, on, one off. Arguably the toughest part. I mean, it's, it's almost always the highest volume. So it's the most training volume, the most training stress you're going to dump on yourself. I mean, once you get into specialty, it gets a little more specific and tones down a bit in terms of overall weekly stress. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, base is just the most friendliest of the versions because we're preparing the, yeah. the motor. And I see people, if they, more commonly, because Mark is far above average in this respect, if he's Sounds like, far. like very like far above average in terms of his, his, you know, physiological capabilities here. But more commonly, you'll see if a person does this sort of thing, it'll get very hard to be able to continue to absorb those adaptations. It's a long time to load. Yep. So yeah. you, you'd have to be careful with it. But again, I'm guessing he has enough experience to recognize when that loading isn't paying off. On the flip side of that, just in the forum last night, I answered a question, um, forum at trainer.com. Someone said, I'm, I'm training for Leadville and I'm super tired. And what they're doing, Leadville's eight and a half months away and they're on sustained power build right now. Whoa, yeah. And they're early. getting, they're getting tired right now. Yeah. I think they had so much time that they're going to go. Sweet spot, build, and then restart it. Mm -hmm. And I would say, though, I mean, sustained power build two is a, it's a, it's, it's, hard. it's a hard plan. So um, either go to a lower volume mm -hmm. or I said, drop back down a sweet spot. It's no, no, if you're getting tired this early and I've done this before for an Ironman, yeah. eight months out, it's, it's so hard. Oh, like you yeah. should be, yeah. you should be chomping at the bit right now right. Yeah. for eight months. I might bench an athlete if, if him or her is that, yeah. he or she is, is that far out and already fatigued. If, yeah. So I said, take a week. Sorry. I, I said, take a recovery week right away. Yeah. Um, but you might, I mean, you might even go as farther than just take a week off completely. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. And then a week of recovery and then maybe get back into it. <clears throat> and, and recognize that you're firing on all cylinders at that point. Yeah. More commonly, if you have extra time to be able to repeat something like this, we'd usually recommend repeating sweet spot base or like, you know, the, the base phase or like the second half of sweet spot base, yep. sweet spot base two. That's, that would be something. And in this case, Mark, it seems like you skipped the second part of sweet spot base. Extending base is typically more tolerable. I mean, yes. it's just lower on the intensity, lower on the volume. 
either way, the lower on the training level, let's put it in those terms. It's still hard. Like, oh, but it is. Yeah. I'm yeah. not trying to make it sound like it's easy. We're, this is all mm-hmm. rel- I'm speaking relatively. So, mm-hmm. but, but extending base versus extending build, I would almost always veer towards base. If a, if we're a newer athlete or athlete who's new to structured training, new to power-based training, um, an athlete who hasn't been competing and winning at a high level, I would absolutely steer them back toward base. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Um, that's the much more common approach. Uh, if you're looking to double up uh, phase because you have extra time, common questions. We get a lot about this sort of stuff. If you're looking to double up, we recommend in most cases that you double up or extend the base phase somehow and then kind of build into things. That's usually the, the safest approach. You're still going to get you know more fitness out of this. That's a good thing. Um, the one that I personally find the toughest to extend is the build phase. On the specialty phase, you're, you're, you can, you'll be surprised at how much you can kind of extend things for, you know, maybe even up to like four weeks, who knows, maybe something a little more even, depending, maybe a little less, uh, but just by repeating that final week, that's not quite as intense and making sure that you're not overworking yourself. So when you're talking about extending the plan because you have extra time, those are, those are all different ones. Um, uh, let's go into, let's see, uh, let's go into Marius's question. Uh, so he says, my smart indoor trainer just broke and it costs about the same to fix it as it does to buy a new one. He says, I currently have dual sided Garmin vector threes on my road bike, which are supposed to have an accuracy of plus or minus 1% and a ton of extra data when getting a new indoor trainer. Do I need to get one with a similar accuracy like the tax Neo or can a less accurate and cheaper smart trainer do the job when considering that all the important metrics like pedal smoothness, et cetera, can be provided by the vectors? This is a, this is a good question. Yeah, this is a good question for me. Yeah. Uh, okay, so a few things here. One, I, uh, just don't ever expect your power meter to match your trainer. Yeah, um, yeah they won't. <laughs> uh, you kind of got to pick one, and we always suggest to pick your Parameter, yep. Because um, you use it inside and outside, right? Exactly. So you want it to be consistent through. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, uh, I think that they're more accurate than trainers. Yeah. Uh, some companies say they have plus or minus one, but if they're all true, like how can they all be so far apart? You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. Someone's not right here. <laughs> yeah. um, and also, though, it also depends on where you measure because you're measuring at the pedal, right? You, you have much less loss than mm-hmm. by the time it goes to your drivetrain to the trainer. Yeah. So that's also a difference there that could happen. So even if they're both within 1%, but your drivetrain isn't perfectly efficient, mm-hmm. it's there's going to be a gap between those two. And can, we, can we cover really quick a little bit about how, so like a, a power meter will measure strain with, or measure power with strain gauges. So they're measuring force and then accelerometers usually to measure velocity. And then they have or this. Rotation. Yeah. Right, yeah, exactly. So those two things put together. That's how you get power. But smart trainers in most cases do not have, I actually don't even know if there is one with strain gauges. No, some say they have them. Yes. Then I, I always question them, then why are you having me do a spin down? Yeah. Um, yeah. Which I don't, I, <laughs> yeah. I've asked them, they've never told me like <laughs> yeah. why, but yeah. there's probably a good reason and I just don't understand it. So, so let's give them benefit of the doubt. Sure. Right. Um, but I'm going to cover this. If they don't have strain gauges, how it would be measured is really they're measuring with speed and then they might have like fluctuations in speed where they try to counter in for that. But that's really, you know, how, how they can get through to these yeah. things. So, so something on, on those, like I'll use the Kirk Kinetic, uh, the little pod there. In-ride. Yeah, the yeah. in-ride. Mm-hmm. And what they do is they, by doing a spin down, they measure the 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 like the efficiency of the system mm-hmm. between the, the pressure of the tire and like the the tire pressure and all that kind of roller. stuff. Pressure roller against the Yeah, tire. exactly. You get the resistance there. And then they have math in there to try to say, if you accelerate this uh, 
10, I've got the flywheel, I forgot how heavy it is. And you go from this speed to this speed, well, that's going to take this many watts. Right. And um, for other trainers, what you will see, and you see this all the time on people on, on with a power meter and an erg trainer, is they don't always, one, um, the trainer smooths it out. So you might accelerate <laughs> and your power meter will say, well, you just did a thousand watts, but your trainer says you just did 600 watts. Uh-huh. Um, and I don't know, I'm going to say the power meter is right in that yeah. situation. Yeah. Uh, what will also happen is Erg then thinks you're like, you're, you're less because the trainer is measuring six, but you're actually doing a thousand. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, it goes back down is you'll see people, and this especially happens if you start in a really low cadence and then mm-hmm. you kind of kick it up the beginning mm-hmm. of an interval yep. is your power meter kind of gets ahead of erg mode yeah. and then it um, and then it slowly fades back into it because the trainer isn't reading that spike that you did right and yeah we can we see that a lot so to kind of counteract that is don't do that kick up like right before the interval it's for that very reason that a lot of the workout techs will say set your cadence in, yeah. in the 10 or 20 seconds preceding each of these little each yeah. whatever interval ideally for the trainer it would be if you could uh maintain the exact same cadence and pedal stroke. Cause even just the, the different ways that you pedal mm-hmm. can also, mm. uh, affect okay. erg. Yeah. Um, and s- something to say too, along these lines is, uh, th- so th- I know that this may create some like dissonance in people's minds, like, but wait a second, it's graphing my power and, and the power reported by smart trainers in, in most cases is very, very smooth. It's artificially smooth. Like it's, it's too smooth. And, and, but if you think about it, like you buy a smart trainer to hold you to a target, right? So like if you saw your actual power output and it was still going like this, cause that is what in reality happens, you kind of be like, Hey, what's going on? It's There's holding a, me to it. I, so it's kind of tricky. I think I can say this. There was an unnamed <laughs> trainer company and I don't think they released this firmware, but they sent it to us and whatever we told the trainer to set it at, it would automatically output that same power just perfectly yeah. so it didn't matter what you powered at yeah. but if you said at 300 watts it suddenly said you were doing 300 watts yeah uh, we were like what even I'm, if you're doing 200 watts yeah, everyone's or 400 like watts. i'm perfect yeah it's <laughs> yeah. it's it messes Every with rut. people's brains because they get a power meter yeah. and they see the power they're actually doing and yeah. they immediately think that like uh there's a bug and trainer road like we're not yeah we're not setting you correctly yeah. when really it's like you said it's the artificial smoothing of the mm-hmm. trainer yeah. which can it can be good i, I kind of want to do i'm not going to do this but an experiment where some people, I, I just tell them what they want to hear. Like this is what your power is. And they'll think that trainer road there is better. Yeah. Um, and then other people see what their power really is. And uh, I think too, it, when you see what your power really is, and if, if it's sitting above your target at all, yeah. it automatically becomes harder mentally. Mm. Yes. Um, yeah, where if you so. are, your power is at the same level, but it appears to be correct. Yeah. It's not as hard. I don't, and, and this is an unnamed company and I don't even know if this actually ended up happening, but I believe that one of them pushed a firmware update where they're like, Hey, sorry, we're not going to smooth this anymore. And, oh, well, and well there, were, there were pitchforks involved, yeah. <laughs> not really, but like very people, very upset. So it ended up reverting back to that. the smooth. So it's, so, it's, it's definitely for these two things not to line up. It's not abnormal. It's normal. Yeah. So. so what we do, we have a feature called power match. And what that does is it, it, it tries to uh, figure out the difference between your power meter and the trainer. So really the, the the power meter is driving the offset for the ERG trainer. And there's a whole bunch of stuff in that. We actually do some very simple but machine learning to try to figure out what's going on. Um, it can It's not perfect. It can be improved. But it's way better than always having a 20-watt totally. offset. And, yeah. like, and the, the problem, too, is the slopes um, aren't the same 
between yes. the power meters and the trainers. So you might be perfectly in line at 20 or 200 watts, but at 300 watts, there could be a 30 off 20, say, and then at 400 watts, Divergence, there's yeah. a 40 or at, offset. And then at 10 watt or at uh, 50 watts, it might be very different too. Exactly. So it's just, that can be frustrating. Yeah. So all of these things, we're constantly trying to update it so that it's better and better and better. Um, yep. We have a feature that says like lie to me. We just say you're doing what the target is. <laughs> check lie to me checkbox. Just yeah. lie to me. Yeah. <laughs> that would be Speaking of new features. Um, yeah, yeah, we should. Um, or do you have something else to add on to it? Uh, one other thing. Yeah, yeah. No, that's it. That's it? That's it. Cool. So two things that I want to mention that we've pushed into uh, whether it's the website or the app for Trainer Road. So if you want to, if you're listening to the podcast and you don't know what we're all about here, you can go to trainerroad.com and check it out. Um, but we now have like updated onboarding. So then when you sign, and basically it's like a marketing term, but basically what that means is that when you sign up and start using Trainer Road, it's going to be a, a, a much, it's going to be a really cool experience. Like we've basically tried to, it's an intro workout. There's like the whole yeah. thing. It, it's It's mobile only right now though. Right. So. so not on, not on desktop yet. Um, but basically if you're the type of person that's using trainer road right now and you recommend it to people, it's like, it's like a handhold experience. That's going to, we've really, improved it. It's, it's awesome. Uh, you'll dig it. Uh, then on top of that with the calendar, so on the website side of things, you can now schedule a recurring workouts. So for you, Nate, I see on your calendar all the time, push and pull, like you just talked about your weight training days that you have. And they're, they're usually on the same day, you know, that sort of thing. Now you can create an activity and it can either be a trainer road workout. So like, let's say you're just kind of ad libbing and doing whatever workouts you're doing, but you know that you want to take the ramp test every four to six weeks, because that's what's recommended. If you do that, you can actually schedule the ramp test as a recurring workout. So every four, you know, every four weeks or decide whatever it is, it'll sit there on your calendar. Or if you have something like a non-cycling workout or a group ride or anything else like that, you can schedule that in. And it's really cool because you can set an expiration date for that repeating pattern. Um, or you can, uh, set it so that it goes on forever. It's pretty sweet. You can even do some <clears throat> crazy stuff where you can say, I want this to be every four days only for four weeks or every Tuesday, Thursday for four weeks. Hmm. But you can build these kind of like little small micro plans where yeah. if you want to go like, I want to do the same workout and then two aerobic ones. And that's going to be every, let's say I'll do, you could do like a two, two days on one day off, but that will be a repeating pattern that doesn't line up exactly with the weeks. What I'm yeah. trying to say is you don't have to line it up exactly with the weeks. Yeah. It's cool. Um, and then you could do Very that for flexible. four weeks and then retest and try something else. And it's, uh, you can do whatever you want. So it's a neat feature. Yep. Um, we're always testing and building, uh, different things and adding things in. So, uh, some exciting stuff coming down the pipe soon. So, uh, let's end with Scott's question. Shall we? He says in a recent podcast, coach Chad briefly mentioned the German 4,000 meter Olympic track team and their training intensity regimen. Out of interest, I found a research paper, which analyzed that world record setting team. Uh, and we'll put this link into the forum.trainerroad.com. So you guys can check this out. He says, what I found most interesting was that the two fastest riders, and they did 4K at 418 and 419, that's so fast, um, had distinctly different physiologies and power profiles. One had a high aerobic capacity and relatively low anaerobic mobilization, while the other had high anaerobic mobilization and relatively low anaerobic or relatively low aerobic capacity. He says, and, and it bears mentioning it's still Olympic level. So it's low only in comparison to each other. Yeah. Yeah. 
So my question is, how can power derive from two different energy systems result in equally fast times at the same discipline? And how does this relate to how fast the average trainer road user is based solely on FTP data? Uh, thanks for the trainer road crew for putting out a great product. Well, this is like kind of around the cutoff point of four minutes, right? Where <laughs> I think if it was longer, if it was a 10 or 20 minute event, the aerobic person would win. And if it was shorter, two minutes, the anaerobic person would totally win. Those metabolic predispositions would start to hold stronger sway, for sure. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. That's kind of the cool thing about these short races, though. Like, uh, you do a, a track event that sits around this, it's kind of cool. That's the beauty of it. I mean, athletes of, of, of all different metabolic backgrounds can actually excel and work well together, as in the case of a pursuit. I mean, very different athletes, relatively, and they set a world record. Mm -hmm. So it's pretty interesting. But this this right here is kind of like coaches and coaching services will always have jobs. It's, yeah. it's complex. <laughs> That's it. It's, it's, it you, ha you can take 30 different riders and they will have 30 different metabolic profiles. It's just, it's just how it is. And mm -hmm. Some subtly different, some vastly different. Um, there, there are five, there are many components, but five of them, just think in terms of VO2 max and and your lack in VLA max, which is, or VLA max, which is basically aerobic capacity and your anaerobic capacity. You can keep it super simple. And then on top of that, we have FTP, we have fat max, where we're optimizing our fat burning. We have carb max, you know, how many grams of carbohydrate can you actually metabolize in an hour? You know, finding it's right <laughs> around 90. Um, and then economy ties to both those, of course, you know, how much fuel goes into the tank, how much mileage you know, comes out, how much energy comes out. Um, <clears throat> so per rider or between riders, y you can't really tell how much of the FTP is derived from aerobic versus anaerobic. Mm. Um, you can, however, test for that stuff, or you can simply go do events and see where you excel and where you don't and yeah. decide if the events that you don't excel are ones you want to excel, tweak your training accordingly. Yeah. I mean, it's not, I won't say it's not rocket science. It's still pretty complex, but it's also pretty simple. This kind of goes back to the the goals and strengths and weaknesses where I, I think I have totally. a high... I didn't need a you saw it a thousand dollar a month coach. I said, you know what, I can do really high power for a minute, yeah. and I think I can do well in a race if like tactically. Yeah. So I'm going to train that. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So you go after that and, and it's, see if it works. Maybe it yeah. does. You know, trial and error, trial and error process. Um, yeah. Maybe it does work, but you don't really like racing that way. You'd rather save yeah. it for a yeah. sprint, or you'd it might rather be more fun, very things. Or you have different goals. You're trying to do Leadville. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't do a minute sprints. And two, it's like we, I've, I harp on this point a lot, but. There might be something like one, if you do a power profile, whatever you've trained for is usually what the power profile shows. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Right. And yeah. Then, so it's not necessarily a strength. It's just what you're good at right now because that's what you've been targeting. Exactly. Yeah. And so, I mean, what, okay, great. You show me, it's like <laughs> yeah. a rear view mirror, right? <laughs> yeah. Two, um, your goals might not match up what's, what's like what you want to do and what's fun for you might not match up what's good or what's you're what naturally you're good, at. good at. Yeah. yeah. Totally. Um, it's cool if they do match up, but I, I, I tend to think that most people know if they're good at short, hard stuff, or if they're good at these long events, totally. like it, in your first year of cycling, you just figure it out. Yeah. yeah. Um, it doesn't require a, a, a sports university, no. like, lab. Now, plenty of riders will bang their heads against the wall for a long period of time, trying to do events that they're not really suited to thinking that, uh, you know, I will get better. And they probably do, but maybe not giving due credit to the fact that there might be events that they are better suited to. And then when your eyes are open to those events and you totally. see, oh, wow, I'm actually really good at this. And you start mm -hmm. pursuing it, it can be uh, pr pretty motivating for sure. But th the point is, 
there are these certain characteristics and they, or another point is there are these certain characteristics, but they're not etched in stone. I mean, to varying extents, you can change so many of those things. Mm-hmm. You can improve mm-hmm. VLA max, you can improve VL2 max, you can improve your FTP, your fat max, all those things yeah. can be, can be swayed dietary, you know, dietary means training, et cetera. You but put yourself in a box. You don't. I mean, if there is something and you really want it badly, you can figure out how to at least get better at it. Maybe you'll never mm-hmm. be the best at it, but you can get better. Maybe it will be the best. I don't know. The, the interesting point to me is that you have totally two totally different physiologies, but the outcome is similar. Or <clears throat> two different training types. Exactly right. Like, like one person specialized in anaerobic and one person specialized yep, in Yep, and that's aerobic. it too. So so this coach recognized the difference between these two riders, trained them probably vastly differently, and, yeah. came, and they came together when necessary and put together a world record performance. Yeah, like there are so many different ways where you can – there are a lot of weeds to get lost in, right? Like you can really go deep into this stuff. But like there's – in my mind, the majority of us listening, I'll just speak for myself. I don't want to be presumptuous for anybody else here, but <clears throat> I feel like there's so much room for me to max out my potential that like, I kind of like, like Chad, I know you've said this here, like save the granular analysis for later, right? Like I have a lot until of you, hanging fruit. Until well, and that's it too. Until you've exploited that, <laughs> until you've done the, the easy gets, the most obvious ones, there's so much room for improvement for just about all of us there that yeah. when you start getting in the weeds on these little tiny intricacies, it's it's not the right direction to go. I'm just going to disagree a little bit the 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 coach thing because no, like, even oh, okay. with this what we talked about before, I know I'm good at these short aerobic things or anaerobic things, so maybe I should do short power build. Like it's as simple as that. Yeah, I don't yeah. you don't need it, it's like, not even like, that's not yeah. even like fine <clears throat> you don't uh, have to get into the data. Oh, no, that's that. not the granular stuff. <laughs> that's not granular stuff. I'm talking though, about trying to shift VO2 max and anaerobic capacity because the two they're they're counterbalanced. One goes up, the other goes down. I mean, that's right, right. basically how it works. Yeah. You don't have to get that in depth totally. so, so early in your cycling career or Na- nature's I do like short power build <laughs> yeah, and I do short yeah. power build and That's, then I'll do the crit plan. And a lot of it is very straightforward. Yeah. I guess. And I would like, I wouldn't do, if I'm going to do these one minute attacks, sustain power build and then century plan. Yeah. Right. Like, sure. right. like that would not be smart. And yeah. I, I just think it doesn't take a, to be like your level of experience, Chad, to know to do that. Yeah. Right. Maybe sure. build a plan. Yes. But yeah, to, yeah, know to build the plan, yeah, sure. To know, right. like, but I to know which short one you stuff. should pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. Most common question we get it though is is you know which train which training plan should I pick? One of the most common ones, right? Um, and hopefully with time, you know, we're making that more and more clear and, and and easy. And like Nate said, look at the demands of your racing, pair it up. There you go. That's it's good. a good match. Uh, with that, that covers the questions that we that we've that we're going to cover here on this uh, episode of the podcast. If you're with us live, uh, that's on YouTube or Facebook. Usually every Thursday at eight a.m. Pacific, uh, you can join us on Facebook and YouTube, and you can ask questions, and then we answer those. And some people say, "Why don't you include them in the podcast?" Well. It's because we want you to join us live. It's fun when you can see us and join us that way and have some live interaction. If you can't catch it live, you can always just go onto YouTube or Facebook and watch it thereafter, after the fact too, and you'll get to see those questions. So you can catch it that way as well. Uh, we appreciate you guys sending everything in. Remember, submit those questions at trainerroad.com slash podcast. We will be back next week, even though it's the holiday week because yep. because we care about this thing. We want to we do it. And if I can jump job. in there, I did promise to cover the second half of the VO2 max spiel that I started last week. We didn't get to it. We will get to it next week, I promise. Absolutely. Yeah, we're going to have an interesting question for next week. It's going to provide for a lot of banter in the forum too, I'm sure. So uh, join us next week. That'll be Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific. Uh, happy holidays. Enjoy the time that you get to spend there. And hopefully you're going to get some training time in as well. Uh, if you're with us on the live stream, stick with us. Chat soon. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye.